welcome to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast number 93. And we're recording this on Friday, 4th of April, 2014, just a couple of days after Microsoft's Build 2014 conference opened over in San Francisco. With me, Ray Blanford. Hello, everybody. And I gather you weren't in San Francisco, but you have a little uh, trip to CNOC here and to handle some of the new devices that were announced. We'll come to that, I guess, uh, later on in the show. Yes, and of course they were running Windows Phone 8.1, which is good that we can now kind of officially talk about it. It's been formally announced, so I think that's going to be the main focus of today's show. Yeah, I, I guess the main thing about uh, Windows Phone 8.1, I mean, there's some headline features which we'll talk about in a moment, but uh, I, I guess we should emphasise right up front, and things which haven't really been covered on any of the sites other than in passing, uh, is all the things happening under the hood, Rafe. There's, there's a whole new uh, version of the OS in, in, in quite a major way. There's probably been an awful lot of rewritten and rejigged and re-architected under the hood. And things like background tasks I've alluded to in the past, they're being dramatically revamped. And things like live tiles, which at the moment update every half an hour, will be down to uh, every minute or so. So we should emphasize there are a huge number of changes under the hood that we're not actually going to talk about, but which are actually very, very important. That's right. I mean, we'll talk about them in a general way, but there's kind of, as you say, the headline features. But I'd say almost more important than that is kind of the depth of the API access has increased. And so it will enable all sorts of things on Windows Phone that won't necessarily be available, you know, first face, but will come later from third party developers and potentially Microsoft and the manufacturers doing things as well. And so whereas Windows Phone 8 which was a big update, um, kind of in a technical sense, they moved to the common core with Windows 8 and all sorts of underneath things. There's actually a lot of enablers that will have a real impact on you know, the way you perceive the platform. And of course, that's the big things to talk about. But just talking generally, I think this is the biggest smartphone platform change I think I can think of for quite a few years. I mean, obvious comparisons will get made to things like Android 4 and iOS 7. Um, and there's less of a visual change in some ways in this Windows phone, because that was kind of, that's already fixed. But in terms of new functionality, new things that this is going to enable, this is a really big update, far bigger than from 7.5 to 8, as far as consumers yeah. are concerned, at least. And certainly, you know, totally putting into the shade any of the smaller updates we've had since then some really big stuff here i mean it's not all good news as we'll talk about there's some things that i think are going to irritate a few users uh, but all in all you know a, a really impressive update and i think microsoft has really delivered here and whether you regard it as catching up or leaping ahead i think it's kind of regardless you know they've delivered an update that is going to satisfy a lot of people and there's not going to be kind of that room to say oh they should have done a bit more but of course there's always going to be some comments like that but i think all in all they've kind of surprised people with kind of the depth and the range of this update yeah i, I guess we should take a few of the, our, our favorite features i mean i will come back to this quote irritate thing later because i'm fascinated by what you're talking about there but uh, uh, things that delight me uh, delight was the word that, not, uh, that microsoft uh, used in the in the, the keynote and um, Cortano I guess is the big one for me I wrote an editorial yesterday you probably saw that and my point my contention really was that um, by coming in into the game slightly later than Google and Apple uh, Microsoft have been able to learn from the perhaps mistakes and, and try and incorporate all the functionality of those two and all the good things about those two in a kind of next generation personal voice assistant that I think should be better than either of the previous two offerings on the other two mobile platforms and uh, hopefully will be something that uh, Apple and Google will now start copying from and I think we're re reaching the point where the the personal digital assistant is actually becoming mature is that fair to say 
I think so. It's difficult because I haven't actually seen a demo of this. It's part of the irritation thing I talked about earlier. But you're absolutely right to identify this as kind of the next generation. Whereas both, um, you know, the Google Voice commands and so Google Now to a certain extent and Siri were kind of not first generation. I mean, they were actually second or third generation themselves, but they tend to be uh, around relatively structured queries. You know, you have to speak to Siri in a particular way. I mean, that's true. The current set of Windows phone voice commands. Cortana, because of the way it's been structured, there's a, a lot more interpretation of natural language. So you can use sort of colloquialisms. You don't have to use a specific sentence to do certain things. And there's also the conversational UI, which you do get in some of the other products as well, but has been really refined in Cortana. It, it's difficult until we try this out in the real world to sort of give an absolute assessment of it. But certainly looking at the way it's been implemented and the technology that's underlying it, and it's to do with the kind of the way that it's actually based on Bing technology and the Satori knowledge base and the way all of that's connected together is more technically impressive than the underpinnings, what we know about of Siri and Google now. And I think also the way it's presented to the user is a little more sophisticated. In some ways, it's combining the best of both. I mean, it is very much the conversational queries of Siri and being able to say, you know, set an alarm, do various things. But it's also bringing in a lot of the kind of intelligence of google now the way it will float uh, data up to the top and the way this works is you go into cortana and then you'll see kind of a list of interesting things and so that's why you'll hear it described as a, a combination of google now and siri and actually they're both in some ways sides of this you know the same coin and i think you're right to say that microsoft benefits from succumbing into this a bit later because this is obviously an area that's still evolving now the downside that i talked about is this is only going to be available in beta initially and only in the US later in the year. So you know, we're talking the second half of 2014. It will become available in UK and China. Now, that's only a small you know, part of the Windows phone market. So anyone in other countries is going to be kind of annoyed because they're not going to get this Cortana functionality. What will happen when you press the search button, which is what will activate Cortana where it is available, is you'll see the kind of the traditional Bing app. Now, that has to be fair, been updated. There's now a search on the phone, so it will search through your emails and your apps and other contents and documents, and that will be one of the other pivot views in addition to the kind of existing web and image and video and local results. Uh, but that's a big kind of chunk of, you know, feature, given that it was the main thing talked about in the keynote at Build, you know, they spent you know, more time on that feature than anything else. The fact it's not going to be universally available is kind of really going to irritate people. Now, there's absolutely a good reason for that, because as you can imagine, the kind of data that you need on the back end to be able to answer those structured queries and then to do conversational thing and the voice recognition, particularly the natural language element of that, is not easy. And that's you know still evolving. I mean, that's why it's been launched as a beta. And of course, every time you launch into a new market, you have to check you know, tune the voice stuff and the natural language stuff, but you also need the underlying data sets for, you know, bit restaurants, weather, whatever it happens to be. And they will, of course, be different in every yeah. country that you launch it in. Even so, I think it's kind of one of those things that people go, ah, it's great to see this functionality, um, but it's not available yet. And that's such a good example of this. I went to see the, the kind of the UK version of this. But of course, it's not available in the UK yet, so I wasn't able to see a demo. It's only being demoed in the States. And, you know, somewhat frustrating to see all the videos and all the cool stuff about Cortana and not being able to try it out for myself. And um, we're quite lucky in the UK. We're going to get it relatively soon. It's not a big deal. Uh, but, you know, think of markets like Italy, where you know, Windows Phone is you know 17% sales share now. Um, and some of the other big markets, they're going to have to wait a bit longer. And that's a 
you know, a big chunk that's missing. Now, you know, it's fair to say Siri and Google now are in a similar position, but Windows Phone is certainly in worse place in terms of the availability of that kind of smart personal digital assistant at the moment. So a lot is going to depend on how quickly they can deliver that to other markets. I think things may progress faster than Microsoft uh, estimate. I think they're possibly being even pessimistic here. I mean, for example, in the UK, we do speak the same language as the Americans. <laughs> Mostly. It's true. Um, and uh, obviously, obviously, China and Italy and uh, all the other countries, there is, there is work to be done here. But with a company of Microsoft's size and resources, I, I don't really see it's going to take them what, another year to get some languages out. I, I suspect that if things go smoothly past this build conference and past the 8.1 rollout, we may see some of these languages and these regions coming in, but certainly before the end of 2014, it may surprise a few pe- people. Well, the only reason I say 2015 is because that's what Microsoft themselves talked about. And actually, you're right in that the language isn't really the difficult bit. Um, the sophisticated bit is kind of the understanding of the data set for each market. And so, you know, whether that's relatively simple to do in a new market, but then you have to think about, are you going to be tracking flights? That means a different set of emails that you're going to have to look through uh, or parcel tracking or restaurant reviews and recommendations. You know, something like Yelp might be a big deal in the States, but in other markets, it might be another service you need to integrate with. And, and certain of them are global and Foursquare is an example of that. And that's going to be important in the this Cortana data set. So it's actually kind of the associated data sets that uh, you know, require the work, which is why they're going to take a bit longer. Nonetheless, I mean, we probably should say Cortana looks really impressive. And certainly all the demos I've seen of it, and I had a talk with some of the technical guys about how it works, it does does hold a lot of promise. Uh, you know, there are the usual caveats about, do I really want to speak to my phone? Well, that's not too much a problem because you can just use it as a command line. And I think you know, from a personal point of view, I can see myself doing that more in public rather than talking to your phone. When you're on your own, maybe it's okay. But, you know, people who have used um, Siri or the Google Voice Search will kind of be aware of those kind of issues. And they apply to everything. What stands out about Cortana is also the way there's this notebook functionality, and this is the way it stores data about you, and it's kind of that personal element. And this adds a level of sophistication. To take one example, there's the inner circle functionality. This is where you can specify certain contacts that are more important to you, and you know they will be given added revel- revel- relevance, I should say, <laughs> For example, you've got incoming calls. You might be able to set them to say, just have the inner circle ones come in. And there's a lot more of that kind of thing in here as well. And it can be a, you know, applied to locations where you work, your home office. And having that ability to control it, I think, is good from two points of view. Because sometimes these digital assistants do get things wrong and you want to be able to correct them. But it yeah. also gives people that perception of control. Now, whether they actually choose to use it or not doesn't really matter. But I think it helps people kind of accept it because some of this you know, these things can actually be quite spooky in how intelligent they are. I think we've all, you know, had experience of Google now, you know, saying you're just search for something. Is that where you want to go when you start your phone? And that kind of, you know, cross thinking. Um, it's just that kind of AI can sort of upset people from a privacy point of view. It's not always particularly rational when you think about it, but having that uh, essence of control is important. And uh, it's also, I think, the way that, Microsoft has talked about this and they've very much called 
Cortana her and emphasize her as a character and a personality, yeah. I thought was really clever because that sort of gets away from the technology. And Apple has done the same thing with Siri, and it, it just makes it a bit more approachable, a bit more personal than kind of Google voice commands and Google Now. I, I just wonder whether that will resonate better with consumers. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. But I think Cortana was kind of the really big feature that everyone has has talked about subsequent to the 8.1 announcement. Yeah, you, you did mention there that uh, Cortana is obviously powered by Bing, which is still a strange name to me, but there we go, let's get over <laughs> that. Um, we should also mention, I did see that in the generic Windows 8.1 and the, the Bing online um, systems, they're all tying into the, the same back-end databases, the same services, the same languages, and even a sort of a Google Now-style cards on the Bing front page. So my, my gut impression, Rafe, is that there is cross-thinking here. There is joined-up thinking. And just like Google is able to roll out, for example, I saw Chrome is, is inheriting Google Now cards recently in the last week or so. So just like Google's doing across the web and desktop and mobile, Microsoft is going to be doing the same thing. And again, I'm, I'm optimistic because they, this is not just the Windows Phone team working on some side project. This is across the whole of Microsoft, across the whole of Bing, across the whole of Windows and Windows Phone. All these teams in theory now are actually pulling together and all of these different regions and data sets and capabilities will all come online at the same time in the same order without things getting deprioritized, if that makes sense. Uh, th- that's absolutely right. And as you say, those kind of Cortana preferences will show up in Bing, uh, Bing.com search, but also I think more importantly on the Windows 8, uh, the PC side of things search. And if there was another general theme that probably wasn't emphasized enough, but is really important about Windows Phone 8.1 is its connectedness to other parts of the Microsoft empire much greater than in previous versions some of that's quite subtle and some of it's very obvious i mean we talked in the past about the benefits of office and OneDrive, and if you use that kind of functionality it's you know really important into day-to-day working life and productivity and it's not that there are other solutions elsewhere but that starts to come in elsewhere and we've seen the same thing on other platforms but to give you another example internet explorer 11 is common across windows 8 um Point one and Windows Phone 8.1, there's going to be things like syncing of uh, bookmarks, syncing of settings, syncing of Wi-Fi hotspot uh, passwords just happening in the background, which you kind of take for granted. But once that comes in, it becomes really important. There's also things that will happen in terms of the system settings. For example, if you set an accent color on your Windows Phone, it can then be applied. And this is obviously optional. It can be synced between your PC, your tablet device, or your laptop, or your desktop, and your phone. And there's quite a lot of that that, as I say, didn't get talked about too much, but is there. And you know, it applies also to Xbox video and music. And a lot of these places where you kind of expect to have this joined up thinking that hasn't always been there in the past. It is now coming on stream. And if I was going to sort of emphasize one thing about 8.1, I think that sense of connection or delivering on that three screens vision that Microsoft has talked about so much is really there. That sense of ecosystem really comes to the forefront. The, the caveat with that is, of course, you have to then have the other elements of it to make sense, and be that the Xbox One or a Windows 8 PC. And for a lot of people, you know, they may be on older PCs, they might not have an Xbox console, you know, they've gone the PlayStation route or something else. So they won't necessarily see all of that. And so it does get to the point, just as with some of the other ecosystems, it becomes harder to judge how good something is, because some of the functionality is actually quite dependent on do you have the other bits of the jigsaw. Um, 
And it also, of course, plays more generally to the fact that ecosystem locking is becoming more and more of a factor. And, you know, the, the ability to switch between ecosystems is, of course, still possible to do, but you might, you know, not benefit from some of the really, uh, the most compelling features in each ecosystem. And I'd say it's not unique to Windows Phone, that at all, but uh, it's actually a good thing, I think, because you have to deliver on that kind of promise and, you know, be it starting xbox video playback on one thing and then resuming it on another or feeling that you're not having to enter wi-fi passwords twice on your tablet than on your phone all that sort of stuff is really important it, it, it's quite subtle in the background sometimes but it really makes a difference to the use of the device day to day that kind of delight factor that you talked about steve yeah yeah i guess we should rattle on with windows indeed point one because we want to get to a couple of new devices before the end of this podcast we will of course keep coming back to all of this in future podcasts um just two features obviously headline cosmetic features from the new update that's coming uh, i guess at the developers preview edition which some of us uh, may well be <laughs> applying to our devices next week um and to actually use the devices over their updates probably in a month or so's time um the two headline features i guess you've highlighted in your feature which we'll link to in the show notes um the, the fact that you can have um, start screen wallpapers not as the background but as the background to the tiles themselves which is really a nice effect and uh, i suspect i'm now great fun writing a tutorial on actually optimizing your photos to look <laughs> good with this yeah i think that's right and also with the start screen you're going to have the option to have uh, three tiles across on more devices and so things like the uh, 920 925 the kind of 4.5 inch screen devices and above will we'll get this option i mean having tried it on some of the new devices and seen some of the older devices running it as well i think it's a, a nice thing to have it's added flexibility um, it's not for everybody it depends what kind of density of live tiles you want uh, but it is an important one one of the updates that didn't come out quite so much in the, the keynote is there are actually updates to the way live tiles are implemented which you alluded to earlier sort of more frequent yeah. updates but also what you can do on the live tiles you won't see an awful lot of that you know when you get a windows phone 8.1 out of the box or update your existing device because that's really up to developers to start using it but some of the restrictions there have sort of been loosened uh, we haven't got the full details on that obviously and actually it's really as i say up to the developers as is with quite a lot of other features the other cosmetic one that got talked about in the keynote and kind of caught my eye was the idea that you'll be able to customize your lock screen more um Microsoft is going to kind of release some tools that allow developers to have even greater control over the lock screen than they already do. And so they showed off uh, Rudy Hun, one of the well-known Windows Phone developers, who created kind of a diagonal lock screen with everything sort of twisted at 45 degrees. There's obviously going to be a lot more to come on that, but that's a, a nice thing. It's the first thing you see when you kind of uh, pick up your device and you need to go to unlock it. And so that kind of level of customization, I think it's a really smart move and it kind of seems obvious in in retrospect and i look forward to seeing what developers and of course microsoft and their manufacturer partners can come up with there yeah the other thing i was actually alluding to was the um the, the drop down notifications and action ah, center yes. screen now let's just get this straight it's a totally unique original idea we've never seen it before <laughs> in the mobile industry you swipe down from the top of the screen and there's a list of connect connectivity toggles and notifications and things which have come in i guess i should take off cynics hat and say well obviously we're all, all the os's are copying from each other but uh, i think we now expect this sort of thing from a smartphone i guess we've now got to the stage where all three um, major smartphone platforms all behave in the same way. So that's got to be a good thing. It, it has. I mean, it's kind of the standardized functionality. I mean, you can't really criticize this any more than you can criticize a grid of icons or the idea of sort of shortcuts or something like that. It, it's worth saying that Microsoft have thought quite carefully about how they've implemented this. Um, 
it's quite difficult to describe until you start using it on a device yourself. Uh, but for example, you've got individual apps will get listed and they can have up to three uh, notifications displayed in this action center and obviously then say that there's more available as well. You can swipe away those notifications individually. So think about a set of emails, for example. You could have you know, three or four of the most recent emails listed. Swipe one away individually, tap on it, go into that email. Once you've read it, it will, of course, then disappear from action center. Or, of course, you can clear them all out as you can on other platforms. But there's also capabilities to have things like applications updating existing notifications and so it can say there's x new messages on your social network or it can even delete them if you go and read them and it's actually shared platform with a desktop window so i suspect we'll see more applications taking advantage of notification functionality uh, there's other bits and pieces in here like application can actually put a notification into action center without kind of putting a banner across the top of the screen when you actually look at the notification settings itself in the phone you can set for um, email accounts and for messaging whether you want to get vibrations sounds and banners on or not for particular types of notifications so there's actually a greater level of control over notifications than you typically get on other platforms when you add that to the fact that it's already complementing live tiles i think you can make quite a strong argument that windows phone now offers the kind of the best experience in terms of glanceable information and notifying you about things because i'm sure that some people will ignore notification center altogether because live tiles does everything they need to but there's obviously been a big demand from the power users and i think it's fair to say probably everyone listening to this probably falls into that category for the most part about having this you know, application by application notifications you know an easy list that you can see you know for all your missed calls your emails whatever it happens to be you know game turns and it has been done incredibly well and so you know, action centers if i had to pick out one thing that i think i'm definitely going to start using straight away that would be it and the kind of the icing on the yeah. cake is that you know you've got the quick switching panels at the top where you can customize them to have you know the key settings and so for everyone that's part pinned uh, a wi-fi or a flight mode live <laughs> tile to their start screen you won't need that anymore you'll be able to access through uh, action center because this is universally you know accessible you just swipe down from the top of the screen from any application you get access to it it's kind of long overdue windows phone should have had this already but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go great it's here and so pay attention to the fact that it's actually been very well implemented um everyone's got their own preference but i think you, so you can certainly make an argument now that windows phone has some of the best kind of glanceable or that notification style information and you know, for a lot of people that's one of the key things in a smartphone yeah yeah but something else i shall be using from day one i'm very excited to see now calendar that may not sound very exciting <laughs> but um one of the the most popular third-party app genres on windows phone is replacement calendars and uh, there are a staggering number of professionally written really very very good excellent calendar replacements complete with live tiles and every, every gimmick under the sun and cosmetic enhancements right left and center all to to fill in the gap because the existing windows phone 8 calendar is pretty bare bones now i was really glad to see they put in things like week view and, and other um, presentational things which really make a difference in terms of making the windows phone calendar good enough that you don't need a third party and yes those third party apps will carry on being available but i think it's good Rafe, that uh, the, the one that most people see when they first start up their phone will be something they think well yeah this is really usable i can see my entire week at a glance for example yeah, it's, it's been very nicely done as well in both the month view and the, the week view. If you kind of t 
tap on one of the data, it will then kind of expand and you see uh, a day view. So it's been, been well designed, well implemented. There's an interesting story behind this in that it's actually been rewritten from the ground up, but it's using the publicly accessible APIs. So that means theoretically a third party developer could come along and, you know, totally clone that application. Um, that's not really the point. The fact that it's been done using those open APIs means others can come along and create their own calendar function. Uh, application with similar functionality but maybe presented in a different way because one of the problems previously on Windows Phone was there wasn't deep enough access to calendar data through APIs so there always were in these third-party applications you talked about their kind of workarounds in order to get the sync working properly or to get the data into place and so it, it's been done very nicely it was you know in terms of the kind of the core application updates probably the one that stands out most for me but that story of api access is something you find elsewhere so for example there's now better apis for accessing video even to the extent of doing video editing as well and so those stories that we used to write about or apps we used to write about where oh you can't do video upload can't access the videos because there's platform limitations those will go away it'll be a thing of the past and obviously again you'll have to wait for third-party applications to be updated but you know, that video area is one i expect to sort of get addressed quite quickly i mean this is all part of the apis with windows phone moving close to the windows runtime we'll talk about that i think in the, in the next podcast because it's a technical issue and it's to do with universal apps which is just as interesting it's the idea that developers can have a kind of common code base between their windows phone and windows app far more so than before it's not quite a right run run anywhere situation but certainly a big improvement uh, and so we'll talk about that in the future and i think yeah. that kind of deeper integration is important i'll pick out another example of that again it was talked about in the keynote and that's with skype into the calling screen and you'll know yeah. now have the ability when you're on a voice call over a cellular network to kind of tap a skype button and it'll switch over to skype and start the video call or just switch over to a skype voice call and it's designed to make it easy for consumers to use that kind of thing i mean it's not impossible to do that sort of thing now you could you know, be on a voice call and start up your skype application and then call someone but you know, there's going to be a certain amount of seamless handover. But you sort of think, oh, that's great. Well, that's Skype. What about others? That's again done with an open API. And so operators could choose to make their uh, RCS services, that's kind of VoIP services, available as well. And underneath it all, it's basically a SIP stack. And so other VoIP services, you know, people like Viber, Nimbus, could come in and do that same thing and have that integration into the calling screen. And just from a, you know, a, a consumer point of view, I think that ability to you know, be having an ordinary call and then maybe switch over to something else is a really interesting one because it's theoretically possible right now, but the user experience is pretty horrible. But if you've got a single button that does it, really interesting to see you know whether that takes off and as i say it's all done using these apis and there are plenty more examples of this kind of api access throughout windows phone 8.1 which as i say you won't necessarily see straight away but you know will i think have a big impact on the platform over the next 12 months one thing that's really struck me i think since it's the dawn of windows phone is the fact that it's kind of a next generation interface we, we we've seen uh, mobile interfaces change over the last decade or so but i think everyone acknowledges that for all windows phones faults the interface is very fast very fluid very futuristic i was even uh, listening to i think one of the twit podcasts and they had a guest on who said oh yes i, I use a windows phone now and they say oh how do you like it she said well it's I really love it. It's, you know, it's so futuristic. It's so, so, so whizzy. And I thought, well, that, that's a really good testimony. Then they said, well, which phone have you got? She said, I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. The geek credentials of actually not knowing which phone you've got rather devalued the whole point. But it, it does, it does show really that, um, 
the, the, for example, things like handing over the uh, the uh, uh, telephony call to a Skype video call, those sort of touches, they really are things we just could only have dreamt about sort of five, six, ten years ago. And I think for those sort of areas, Windows Phone is definitely ahead of the competition. I think uh, Android and iOS will have to catch up there. It is. Uh, it's kind of a general attitude that Microsoft have with Windows Phone. It doesn't always do everything that kind of the geeks want because it's kind of if you like looking at what consumers want and microsoft when they talk about this um, in presentations or to the press they talk about how they'll only implement something once they think it's got real value which is why you didn't do cortana before i mean actually of course it's also about development timeline and resource availability but there is that general sense that just as you know ios is quite structured in the way it wants you to do things and it gets talked about as being closed off whereas android is talked about you know quite right it's being very open and you know very deep api access you know developers do anything you can sort of replace all sorts of things and we see manufacturers take advantage of that to do their own skins and their own apps and services windows phone sort of has traditionally been you know very closed that's not really changing microsoft still has the kind of attitude we know how to do things but there is a lot more you know, openness in terms of what you'll be able to do. But that kind of um, ease of consumer use is also seen in a couple of other uh, new features that got announced, which I don't think um, you know some of the high-end or the geeks will get that excited about, but I think are quite important for making it attractive to um, you know your average consumer. And that's things like storage sense, uh, updated battery saver, Wi-Fi sense, these are all things that kind of similar to data sense make it easier to use the phone because they'll help you do things. So storage sense, for example, will help you move content between your phone and the SD card. It will help you work out how much space apps are using um, without getting really technical about it. Similarly, battery saver will tell you what apps are using, you know, what amount of battery. And you've got that sort of thing on Android, but it's actually been presented, I think, in a slightly simpler way on Windows Phone 8.1, as I've seen it. And, you know, then it's sort of, do you want us to switch on battery saver and make things nice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we, let's move on from Windows Phone 8.1, right? Because before the end of the podcast, I just want to mention, at least in passing, some of the devices. We we weren't really expecting new devices at this conference. We were expecting Nokia to have its own event, I guess, in a few weeks' time. But completely out of the blue, Stephen Elock walked on stage and then dropped actually four phones if you actually count all the different variants but i guess we should really class them into two two brackets on on the world i guess let's start with the nokia lumia 930 which i didn't note and this is a in one of the nokia's image descriptions they called it hero now whether that's a code name of the device or whether they consider consider it a, a hero device which is entirely possible um and lumia 930 essentially a world view of the uh, world variant of the uh Lumia Icon, which is released for Verizon in the USA. You had hands-on time yesterday, so I guess I should ask you what your first impressions of the hardware in your hands were. I did get hands-on, that's right, Stephen, with the caveat that it's only a brief amount of time. I came away more impressed than I thought I would be. I think people seeing it in pictures for the first time go, oh, that's a, a bit blocking. It's certainly a departure from the kind of the fabulous design language, that polycarbonate that we've seen. And starting off in the lumia 800 and coming right through to the lumia 1520 it's uh, kind of got the metal band around the outside but there is still of course that sense of a some of the plastic in the phone as well from the the back cover and i think the orange and green colors were really quite striking um the usual high standard in terms of nokia design the build quality and things like that you know so no real questions um there and it's got the pure view camera for the 1520 so you know that's all pretty reassuring it fits quite comfortably into the hand. 
if if I was being honest, I'd say I think I probably prefer the kind of the rounded Fabio language that you saw in the fifteen twenty, and I'd kind of been hoping for a small version of that. But that's being really picky. And if you look at all the specifications that you're getting in this nine thirty, which is essentially a smaller version of the fifteen twenty, so the Snapdragon eight hundred processor, you know, the high ten eighty p resolution screen at you know uh, five inches, yeah. it's really bringing things bang up to date and. Uh, in some ways, it's these, this first Lumia device that, of a normal size, that is comparable to all the other kind of flagships on the market. What I mean by that is, you know, you look at the processor, that's fine, the amount of RAM, the screen resolution, the sort of internal memory, and all of those kind of tick off each of the boxes. Uh, people are always going to find fault, and I think, you know, pick out something like the micro SD card glance screen, which we'll maybe talk about a little bit in a bit personally that's one that really annoys me but um i really like the device and you know it's a when you pick up a device it's been well designed it's got that kind of x factor you immediately go yes this is nice and i suppose that sort of the question to answer is would i want to replace my current device with this which for me is kind of the 925 and you go yes absolutely straight away no question i really want to get my hands on a 930 that you know, I expect that to become my daily driver. And there's all sorts of other nice bits and pieces in here, many of which we'll be familiar with from the icon, but things like the uh, quad microphone. So the, the video that they've produced and the sound in particular, absolutely amazing. Um, orange and green, interesting color choices. Nokia went for those because they thought um, they'd be popular. They've obviously done the market research to back it up, just as they did with the yellow devices. Um, I think I prefer the orange over the green, but that's personal preference. The fact is you're then getting Windows Phone 8.1 on this makes this a really big step forward. I mean, the fact that it's coming to all the older devices kind of, I guess, detracts from that somewhat. But um, when I was looking at these, of course, it's the first time I've seen Windows Phone 8.1. So that was definitely a whizzy element of these devices. But there's an awful lot to like about the 930. Um, I, I think the only thing that people will question is this design thing. And I'd say go and hold it in your hand because it feels so much better. I mean, in common with a lot of devices, you sometimes say, is that really going to work? But um, they're really well put together. And I was really impressed. I mean, the other thing just to touch on briefly is talking a bit about the pricing. Um, Nokia have uh, announced this at around the 440 euro level. That's before tax and subsidies if you convert their US dollar price that they gave. That would actually suggest a SIM-free UK price around maybe the 440 mark, 450. That's obviously at launch price. So that'll fall quite quickly. So I think what's interesting about this, it's actually going to be notably cheaper than some of its competing devices. Because obviously you put this up against things like the iPhone 5S or the Galaxy S5, the HTC One M8, the Sony Z2. And this device is actually going to undercut them. And this is for you know Nokia and for Microsoft all about can they start addressing the high end of the market, which they haven't had a lot of success with in Windows Phone. So, you know, the big success story has been those low-end, the cheap devices, the 520 being the best-selling smartphone in its price category uh, in global terms. They haven't enjoyed that with the 930, and I really think this is the opportunity to do it. You know, you marry the 930 hardware with the Windows Phone 8.1 software, you've got something that really, really is very effective at competing with the other devices. Now, there are, of course, other issues with Windows Phone, not least the ecosystem, the app choices, but Microsoft and Nokia are doing everything right to have this high-end push, and the, it feels like the pieces are much better in place. And even with something like the 925, where we're sort of going, you know, the hardware's good, you know, but it's still not quite matching the top end, and 
you know, Windows Phone 8, we kind of need an update. Both of those are kind of getting addressed with this. And so I I would be pretty optimistic about it. Uh, And for Windows Phone fans, you know, this is a really, really nice handset. For those that found the 1520 too big, this is going to be the ideal handset for you. Yeah, but leaving aside the fact you use the phrase "daily driver," which clearly indicates you've turned all turned all American, but we'll, <laughs> the, <laughs> Sorry. The, the metal, the, the, metal um, the frame here. I mean, yes, I know it's perhaps not as as fabulous like as the fifteen twenty, and you were hoping for something you know unibody polycarbonate and really smooth. At the same time, when you pick up the nine thirty on a on a cold day and you and you feel the cold metal in your hand, that generates an instant impression that it's a serious tool. And uh, I, as you know, I'm a bit of a metal fetish fetishist and in this case you'd have the the feel of the metal in your hands but the whole of the back is polycarbonate which means you get the fabulous signal strength and the other benefits of having plastic this really is kind of the best of both worlds uh, i think you can make that argument and i agree with you i'm just trying not to just come over and say i love the 930 it's completely brilliant <laughs> because you know it is a, a subjective thing um i agree with you that kind of metal premium finish i mean in some ways it's to you know it says the strength of the fabulous design language and what nokia and, and you know, subsequently apple and some others have done with polycarbonate so you can even talk about a plastic phone and sort of compare it to those kind of full metal which always used to be the premium thing and so there is you know people have been wanting nokia to do this metal phone for a while and they've now come up with and done it and as you say um it's going to get compared to some of the other devices, but it does bring a lot of the other advantage in for signal strength and kind of durability that having that polycarbonate backing really works really well. And uh, it is a little bit thicker than some of the other devices, but one of the benefits I said is there's no camera hump. And so it's, it, it feels maybe more beautiful. I mean, there's less of a sacrifice around the camera. It's just that impression. Of course, it still isn't that that thick i mean i think it's nine millimeters something like that yeah. uh, and it does do things like has the integrated wireless charging Yay! Which you go, yes absolutely and some really good news actually for the uk listeners if you pre-order the 930 in the uk you'll actually be given two wireless charging accessories plus a 20 pound app voucher and even if you just buy it in the normal course of things every lumia 930 sold in the uk and ireland is going to come with the dt601 wireless charger so that's really going to kind of solve that whole oh well, i've got a wireless charging phone but i don't have the accessory to go with it and i think that's a really smart move by nokia and it kind of adds extra value into the box as well and again talking about the cost thing earlier be interesting to see if that has an impact on sales but from someone who really loves wireless charging and uses it every day absolutely brilliant to see that yeah yeah but one thing before we leave to 9 30 just to mention that uh Early reports are that uh, due to technical limitations in terms of the 1080p 5-inch um, AMOLED screen, there sh- won't be Nokia Glance, i.e. the always-on-time notifications. Now, my gut feel, Rafe, is that even if this is true at a technical level for having always-on notifications, there surely is some way that they can just put in the peak functionality where you wave your hand across the phone and it flashes up for a few seconds to show time and stuff. Is that not possible? Uh, I would have certainly have thought so. I mean, I did ask Nokia about this, and the technical reason is... Uh, basically there's memory display it's to do with the way that the display is implemented there's an extra component which isn't there in this uh, 930 or on the lumia icon and so that means glance can't be implemented uh, i'm sure this is something Nokia didn't choose to do because they wanted to it's probably around component supply and that kind of thing um and certainly talking to some of the Nokia people it was clear there'd been some discussion about it internally and they were certainly prepared to answer that question about glance and so it does make me wonder whether they're going to kind of look around for other options and as you said you know there's 
possibilities around doing something interesting with a peak light functionality. One of the, it, you know, just thinking completely out loud and it's just come to me as we're recording this, uh, within th- this 930 phone, there's a motion chip that's always on. Um, Apple has done something soon. We've got it into a lot of the Android devices as well. And actually, this is what Nokia's new sensor core SDK is sort of based around. It's in the 632. We might talk about that a bit later. But you could have a thing where maybe you shake the phone and the screen gets turned on or, or something like that, or be able to detect it coming out of the pocket. Or there's all kinds of things to maybe implement something similar. I really hope they do because from a personal point of view, glance is something I really like. The ability to see information without having to touch anything on the phone is, you know, is really good. Um, you know, so when I talk about negatives and downsides, this is the one on the 930 that I think is going to get talked about quite a bit. But um, you're right. Let's hope that Nokia can actually think about this and maybe come up with some kind of equivalent of providing functionality that does the same thing, even if not in exactly the same way. Yeah. Okay. We are going to run uh, short no. time, Rafe. So what I'm going to suggest is that you give uh, the Lumia 630 and 635 sort of two minutes of your best summarizing, and then I'm going to tease what we're going to do in the next podcast. So uh, go go for go for it with the 630, 635, but two minutes max, please. Right. The 630, the 635. Really, what you need to know is the dual SIM version in the 630, but there's also going to be a single SIM variant. That's going to come out first. It will start out in the Asian market, but will be coming to the Middle East, Africa, Latin America, and Europe. Probably won't be uh, in the States. Then we've got the 635, which is the, the 4G. It's just single SIM version. You'll get that again in similar markets, but that will also end up in the US. Uh, I guess the most important thing to talk about here is the price. Uh, about 125 euros, a bit less for some of the 630 variants, which haven't got the 4G in. About 130 pounds SIM-free UK price, and that's at launch, so that will go down. I really don't understand how they built this handset for uh, <laughs> this amount of money, because it's got a lot of really nice things in it. Yes, it is cut down. You know, you've got the 4.5-inch screen, and yes, it's a lower resolution, uh, but the screen's actually still decent quality, just like we talked about with the 1320, good quality screen, despite you know, relatively low resolution. Things to really note about this kind of the the polycarbonate shell, very similar to the 620 and some of the 625 and some of the others in that respect, feels great in the hand. The colours are nice. It's you know, The design has been done well. Again, you get how they've done this at this price. Um, all the weight and the size things, yeah, that's all about right. 9.2 millimetres, I think it is. Um, maybe a touch on the heavy side, 134 grams, given the size. Quite low in terms of the specifications, the dual core, uh, sorry, quad core, 1.2 gigahertz, 512 megabytes of RAM. But again, that's about the pricing point. I think the thing that people are going to notice about this handset is it doesn't have the uh, capacitive keys. Instead, they're on the screen. As a result, the screen resolution is 854 by 480. Honestly, it took me a while to get used to it when I was trying this device for the first time. Having had the same experience on Android devices, it is something you kind of get accustomed to. But at first, it feels a pr- pretty bizarre. Uh, I can't say I'm a fan of this approach because you still end up having it stripped down at the bottom of the device where all the aerials and things like that sit. And so to me, it, it feels like a unnecessary thing to do. But of course, it is also about cost here and it does reduce the cost of the device. And similarly, you haven't got a camera capture key. Um, as I say, the thing about the uh, 630 and the 635, it's really going to be it's not the new 520 because there's probably going to be something else in that 5 series running Snapdragon 200, but it's certainly the, the new 620 and offers even better value for money than the 620 does. It doesn't have the small screen size, so it's actually more like a kind of midpoint between the uh, 
620 and the 625, but uh, really caught my eye with this. It's actually going to be the first Nokia phone with Windows Phone 8.1 because it's going to become available in May. The uh, 930 is going to be a bit later uh, in June. I think that's probably about operator ranging and kind of volume requirements uh, for that higher end handset. And so the 630 is going to kind of be that lead Lumia device. Really nice, you know, the camera it's all fairly standard five megapixels and see will like the fact it's got a removable battery this doesn't have glance screen either by the way um, but it does have you know, a lot of the things like bluetooth low energy and some of those other things like you know compass and gps and so uh, really quite an impressive device i really look forward to getting my hands on one because this is going to be the, you know the best selling windows phone 8.1 device certainly in the first half of the year i would imagine in the second half of the year as well it kind of depends if uh, some cheaper devices come out as well but the 930 kind of steals the attention but the really nice device in as you say there are effectively uh, three of them because there's the 630 in single and dual, dual sim versions that's 3g and then the 4g version which is the 635 um, and they you know, do have the option of having a uh, three live tiles across the own screen which you know, has yeah. otherwise only been on kind of the bigger screen or the more expensive devices and so it, it does particularly well i think with windows phone 8.1 on it um again kind of amazing that you get the same windows phone experience on this cheap device we've had it already with the 520 but you suddenly go wow i can get windows phone 8.1 on a new device is cheaper i mean the fact it's also on the 520 is equally amazing in some ways but you kind of really feel it on on this device as well because it's kind of new and shiny and everything so gone over my three minutes a bit there but you can probably tell i'm <laughs> rather keen on the 630 635 combo yeah we'll come back to those in the next podcast also in the next podcast uh, we're gonna have to split this split, split this into another part two as it were but um the lumia cyan update uh, which, uh, which will come uh, over the air to all our existing Windows Phone 8 devices. There's also the Wordflow keyboard you mentioned earlier, but effectively bringing something like Swipe or a Swipe clone, as on the other OSs, uh, to Windows Phone. There's also changes to the various hubs on Windows Phone, which I think is worth going over, Ray, perhaps when you've had a chance to think about that. So, uh, And also other aspects of the OS update, which are still becoming apparent because the build conference only just finished and the details are still... Uh, leaking out as, as it were so um, if we can hold all of that for the next podcast and if I can give you some homework Rafe to actually make a to-do list so we don't forget <laughs> yep that's absolutely right we, we will talk about this because we should say we just kind of touched on a few of the big items and we thought we'd do it in two parts rather than talk on and on and uh, kind of lose our voices altogether. all those things that Steve has mentioned there's some great new stuff in Internet Explorer as well some important things for yes. Xbox music as well um podcast application which i got to try out for the first time especially for steve uh, we'll talk <laughs> a little bit about what happens when you don't have uh, cortana on the phone as well i've got some videos and some galleries of the new devices uh, coming along we'll also be talking a little bit about what bluetooth low energy uh, having api so that will mean for wearables with regard to windows phone and each time I sort of look through some of my notes and documentations, I, I discover new bits of features. Just to give you one little tidbit, for example, uh, <laughs> Windows Phone 8.1 now supports Mirror Sync, um, which uh, enables you to kind of have wireless displays set up really easily. And so that ability to throw content onto generally a TV, but it can also be desktop monitors where it's going to be in there as well. Won't be immediately applicable to everybody, but kind of great to see that sort of thing coming in. Uh, as you said, Lumia Science is a, a, a big deal, particularly if that's actually going to be the 
thing that lets you put apps on a micro SD card. Um, as I understand it, that's actually something that's initially going to be exclusive to uh, some of the Lumia devices. Uh, so that's a, a pretty big deal there and a pretty big reason to choose a, a Lumia device, perhaps over some of the others that are available. But uh, more on that and the updates to some of the imaging experiences to uh, the Storyteller uh, and some new apps that we can expect to see, as well as a whole bunch of enterprise functionality, which we haven't even touched on in this podcast, which in some ways are probably going to be the most far-reaching in terms of the impact on sales, yeah. because it will turn Windows Phone into a platform that was really, it was good for small, medium enterprise business, but there were problems for you know, doing the really large-scale deployment deployments you know it's all talking about 10,000 plus devices but a lot of the um, remote management the MDM stuff for apps for content for enrollment and all that kind of thing has been really significantly improved and that has a, a big impact we'll talk about that in the next podcast as well yeah, it sounds like we might need a part three as well, Ray. <laughs> it would, wouldn't surprise me. We, you know, we're expecting more device enlightenments <laughs> to come along. Didn't even mention that uh, Microsoft announced an additional two uh, partners, uh, Micromax and uh, a European name uh, who escapes me for the moment. But we'll talk about that as well and some of the implications there. And we'll also yeah. touch on some of the kind of the application stuff that is still being announced at, at Build at the moment and what some of that will mean for developers as well i mentioned uh, universal apps I want to go into that in more detail as well so make sure you tune into the next podcast i think we'll try and do it um sooner rather than later steve while it's all still fresh in our, yeah. our memory so look out for another podcast kind of in the first part of next week yes and if we sound a bit frazzled it's because obviously this build conference is in america which means it's all happening in the uk evening which is exactly when we're trying not normally to be working and i know right. you've been staying up very late and getting up very early to go off to trips to see devices and so on so if we sound frazzled it's because we are yeah i apologize for operating on six hours sleep but uh hopefully it's been worth it we've been delivering you content and there's a lot more to come as well yeah okay but bye for now and yes watch out for another podcast very soon <laughs>